Hey, hey, good morning. It's not Pastor Nathan, it's his better half. <laughs> hey, ladies, where are all my ladies at? Woo! Yes, that high-pitched voice. Um, I want to invite you, all of you ladies, to our women conference. The graphic says 6.30, but it says 6. It's Friday, May 7th at 6 p.m. And this is an invitation I want to just extend personally because it's going to be so powerful. Like, I am feeling just such an anticipation for it. Like, I'm getting so excited. We're going to have good food. We're going to have amazing time, giveaways, and all the girly things you can imagine in this night. Also, um, we, as a, as a staff, the ladies of our staff, we gather and we, we prayed about it. And one of the questions was, can a teenager, can a 13-year-old come to this conference? And, you know, like the question was just hanging in the air. But I started thinking, um, I was 13 years old when they invited me to church. Like someone in my school invited me to go to church. And that first day, I received the Lord as Savior. And that just, it took one invitation to change my life forever. And, and that's what I want you ladies, uh, if, you know, if you belong to Thrive, if this is your home, uh, invite one lady to church. Invite it to this conference. And, you know, that invitation can go a long, long ways. So I want to uh, invite Joey, and he has a word for you. We're working up to the, to the best speaker. We had, we, had, we had a very good speaker, not so good of a speaker, than the best speaker. <clears throat> so I got a scripture for you guys this morning, and then we're going to pray. Hebrews 11. Chapter 3, I mean, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. says, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see, did, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. What we're saying there is everything that we now see, even through microscopes, the good doctor reminded me. Even through microscopes that what we what we see now, that God even created that. And that from nothing, absolutely nothing, that he made something. And uh, that's just, that's just, it, just think about that. They, that God even owns the nothing. He even owns that. That's his too. So, let's pray. Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. And Lord, you're worthy of all glory. You're worthy of all honor and you're worthy of all praise. And we praise you this morning. Lord, we're thankful for the, the beautiful weather, Lord, that you have blessed us with because it is beautiful outside, and you, and you made that just for us. 
we're so thankful. And we praise you. Holy Spirit, let us become aware because, God, we know you're here. We felt your presence this morning already. But, God, let us become aware of your power and your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, rest upon each and every person. Lord, anoint the minds, the ears, the eyes, and our hearts this morning, God. Lord, that we can receive, that we can hear the Spirit, that we can receive from the Spirit, and that you would give us understanding, and that we could see it worked out in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. we go. It helps when it's on. <laughs> Tends to. Well, isn't my wife so beautiful? My goodness, God has just blessed me. I'm blessed to be a blessing, <laughs> that's for sure. Tonight also is our Love Thy Neighbor that we get together with other churches around Henderson County, and so we're going to be celebrating God together at Released Free Church on South Prairieville, or North Prairieville, uh, just off the square, north of the square on Prairieville, so I'm guessing that's north. At, uh, it's Pastor Cass Balker, if you know him, at his church. And so several of us will be, be gathering there. We worship according to the house, how they worship. And then uh, I, I happen to be speaking this, this month. We do this every fourth Sunday of each month. And so uh, it's just, just a, a really great time to come together, different, different perspectives uh, different hearts, you know, coming together of the body of Christ. So I really would encourage you to at least uh, to try to make an effort to be at these. And they are just, they're touching when you see different perspectives coming together and worshiping Christ and being centered on Christ. So that's my personal invitation to you for that. Uh, so we're in our series, Blessed to be a Blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. And there's a lot to that because so much, so often we just want to be blessed. Lord, please bless, bless this, bless that, bless me. And we are, as believers, truly called, he already says we're blessed in his word, but we're blessed to be a blessing. And that, there's, a different, there's a different personality, different mindset, different thought that comes along with that where it's not really about me and what I get, but it's about what I'm able to steward so that I can give to others and serve others, serve God and give away so that I'm a blessing to those around me. I want you to think of, of, about even the, the, the picture of Israel. Really, it's a desert. But if you ever go, it's amazing how God has so blessed Israel and they are able to bless others, even though they're a small nation and they're in the middle of a desert, but everything is green. It's so green in that area, in that one space. How can that be? Well, that's God's people. It's an example of what he wants to do and can do with his people. And so I'm going to give you a slice of your spiritual life in this series, and it just happens to be talking about principles that as you use this principle in any area applied by faith, then God will not only bless you, but you will be able to be a blessing to others around you. And that is how when Jesus prayed, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, 
he is illustrating principles through his word that shows us if we just live this thing out, then heaven comes to earth and he begins to, he begins to reveal his goodness into a lost world. And so God wants to use us to reveal his goodness. However, his people, his children, his sons, his daughters, his believers, his disciples are required in that sense. If we're going to show his goodness, then we need to live out his methods, his parameters, his framework, that in itself begins to reveal God's goodness. So I'm just building that up right there. But this is not about personal gain, but growth in order to be a blessing to others as God speaks. Because the ultimate goal for us is to hear the word of God, is read it, hear from him in his word, but also hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and be able to navigate through life making decisions based on what he is saying, not only in the moment, but what he has said in the past leading us into the future. And so, but it all must start with a solid foundation. If you don't have a solid foundation, then every decision that you're going to make and everything that you do is a little bit wayward and it's slippery and it's, it's, if it's built on sand, as Christ says, then when a storm comes, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to falter it, it's going to reveal the issues of what's down low. And that's how faith is in our lives. We, when, when stuff happens or as circumstances are taking place or as situations in our life are the way they are, it reveals a mishap, a crack, an issue in the foundation. And so we want to start with a foundation in this area when it's talking about blessing and blessing others, and that is we need to know who the owner of everything is. So the question is, who is the owner? Am I the owner? Are you the owner? Who, is the, who owns this place? Who owns that playground? Who owns these restaurants, the building? Who owns what is in your garage? Who owns what is in your house? Who owns the house? Who owns your accounts? Well, number one, I'll make it really clear, it all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. This place, this, the trees, what, what God has created, the earth, it, it all belongs to him. But thank God that we get to be a part of it. Psalms 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Well, I mean, you're not giving me a lot of room to argue, God. The world and its people belong to him. Psalms 50 says this, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field. Notice the, the ownership. They're his. They're mine, he says. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. And the reason I, I thought is, kind of chuckled to my, my own spirit, is like, well, some people may starve him out because if they told him I'm hungry, uh-uh, I'm not going to give anything to God. For the world is mine, ownership. It's all his and all its fullness. We just get the benefits of his ownership. Well, what do we do with what he owns? That's ultimately the question. If we're going to build our lives, especially when it comes to finances and faith, on a solid foundation, we have to realize whose is it anyway? Who, who, who is actually the possessor? Who is the one whose name is truly on the deed, the title? Whose name? Who's, who is truly in possession? And there's, there, there's no room really for us to argue with this. So now it's, okay, how do I apply this? How does this even work in my life? And it's necessary, though, if we're a believer, 
for every believer to get it, to get how this works, to get how it bears fruit in our lives. Because I can work for it. I mean, I, I can earn it. I can receive it, but it's still not mine. I can do all those things and, and, and expend energy, expel energy into it, but it's still, at the end of the day, it still belongs to God. But if I'm a believer, I must understand that it's God's. It all belongs to Him. And when you do, though, you, you have a sense of relief. Okay, now I'm not responsible for it. If it's his, he's responsible to take care of it, to grow it, to strengthen it, to, to, to make it abound. However, it's my charge to steward it according to his ways and his voice. As long as I do it his way, he is responsible for whatever takes place next. As long as I'm abiding to what the foundation of his word says, and what he, when he speaks, I'm abiding to what his voice says, then he is responsible for the growth of it all. He is responsible for the blessings not only in my life, but in the lives of others around me. I'm going to give you a little bit of an, an example, because the reason we want to get, grasp this concept is we don't want to grieve. We shouldn't grieve as believers when God says, here, I want you to give this. I want you to go here. I want you to go say this to this individual. We shouldn't lament, it's like, oh no, and, and have fear because we realize God is the possessor of all things. And if I am just obedient to what he says, he will make fruition. He will come to, make, come to pass whatever it is his desire is on the other side of my act of faith. And what we're talking about today is an act of faith as we apply it his way. Let me give you a a personal story, a couple of years ago, I had bought a, a brand new 2005 Dodge 2500 black. I put black frontier bumpers on it, back bumpers. I mean, this thing was nice. I had, for a while, I had some 20-inch rock stars when 20s were big wheels. Now they're little baby wheels. I've seen a 26-inch, a dually on 26 inches coming back from Florida. Actually, I'm like, that's crazy stuff. But anyway, at the time, it was, it, this was, for me, it was the truck. It was my dream truck. Well, I, I, I got married, late Allie and I met, we got married, and I was the only, uh, we had the only vehicle, I had the only vehicle, only driver, I was the only source of income, of course, as, as well, and so it was a time where in, there, in 2015, the price of a, a diesel had gotten to like $4 a gallon, it was crazy, and so it was costing somewhere around $600 a month just to drive that big truck around. And I knew for two years leading up to, God had already been warning me and preparing me for this thing. He had been telling me, hey, sell this, sell it. You need to sell it. You need to sell it. It got to a point where financially we were so strapped and so tight that it, was, it had become a great burden because it was costing us so much to keep, even though I had already paid it off. The vehicle was paid off. It was our only vehicle, though. And diesel was crazy. So finally, after, after being, uh, overcoming my pride, because that's what it was, it was a pride issue, I didn't want to sell it because what am I going to do? Go buy a Prius, some kind of hybrid go-kart and drive around in that? And he's like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what you're going to do. <laughs> so I sold the truck. We, we searched and searched and searched, and we found the, the, the Prius. 
the Prius in the right price range. So we sell the truck, we go and we pay cash for the Prius, and then what's left over was a perfect amount to get us out of debt. So now, in one faith act and of, of obedience, I, I'm debt-free, we're debt-free, we have a paid-for car, and then this car is crazy because I'm passing gas stations all the time now. And so now, instead of spending $600 a month, I'm saving about $500 a month. So in one decision of obedience, listening to God, I'm out of debt, I have a paid-for car, and I'm saving $500 a month in one moment. Isn't that interesting what God will do, what leads you towards if you'll just be obedient towards, for his voice? Well, after that, we were able to get a car for Allie to drive. Then it wasn't, it wasn't, what, two years before we gave that car away to somebody, maybe three years, there was somebody else that we knew that needed a vehicle, and we said, you know what, let's just bless them with it. Gave it away. Zero, zero exchange. No, no cash in exchange. Sign the title over. Here you go. We want to bless you with this car. God blessed us with another car. God blessed us later with a, a truck. And then I'm, I'm selling, getting ready to sell this Prius because I want a newer, a newer model, another hybrid, but not new because we were about to start building this building. And I knew, I'm, I'm, again, now I've got a, 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 an older diesel truck, but I know, I, hey, I, I learned my lesson. I'm not going to drive around all over town in this diesel truck running back and forth because I know when you start building something, you are going, running errands all day long. You are all over the place. So we, find a, we finally, after searching and searching and searching, we, we were looking for a Kia hybrid, and they were around 11000 11, something like $10,500, $11,000, something like that. And so uh, Allie is Allie is uh, searching again, one last look, and she finds one down in Jasper. And we, we go down to Jasper, and like reading it, it's like, it is perfect condition. It's the color we wanted. It's, it's the style we wanted. It, was, it had some luxury to it, black leather. It was brand new, navigation, all that stuff. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Low miles. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way this is even, probably not even going to be there, but this even is a, a decent vehicle. There's got to be a catch. We get down there, it, it is exactly as they said. The, we, I'm driving with the, the husband, Allie, stay, Allie and Naomi, my, my daughter, stay back with the wife and they're talking. And I'm talking with the husband. We start talking about God. We start talking about church. We start talking about missions. And we get back to the parking lot and the guy goes, you know what? I'm not going to sell it to you for 8800 That was the price, which was ridiculously low, I thought. He goes, I'm going to sell it to you for 8000 instead. So, Okay. Like he negotiated himself down. We didn't even talk price. He just said, no, I'm going to drop. And it was already crazy low in comparison to other cars in its model. On the way home, I'm driving it and God says, see, I had spent $800 fixing the Prius before I sold it for next to nothing because the air conditioner was, a, was all messed up. It was, wouldn't get cold in the middle of the hottest part of summer, and so you're just dying inside of it. Apparently, someone had had an accident, and the fan was turned backwards in, in the front of it, and so we fixed that. Now this thing's blowing cold. $800 later, $800 later, I'm about to sell a car that I, I just... I just threw away $800 in it. And I'm like, God, why, why $800? I'm going to have to sell this thing. And I sold it next to nothing. And on the way home after I got that car, God said, see, that $800 that you were concerned about, the person who bought that from you, they couldn't afford that. But I gave you enough so that you could. He says, and not only can I replace that $800, but I can give you a better deal than what you think you're going to get. I'm like, okay. Yes, Lord. 
And last year, we're, Allie and I were, like, we're looking around for a boat to get our kids out in the water and get them, get them acclimated to, to being on the lake and just buying a cheap used boat, just looking for something that will run and get us around. We go and we look, we're looking at it and we're, we're checking it all out. And I know the price. He told me the price. I said, okay, but how, how much are you going to sell it to me for? Guess how much he dropped it? $800. Just like that. I didn't say, hey, would you take this? He said, I'll take the $800 less. When God starts to work and you just start to listen to his voice, he starts to navigate situations that you could never explain away. That I could tell you story after story and even two stories even in the last month that are just like that that have happened. Just being true to what God is saying, but the key is you, we, all of us, his children must have an ear that is attentive and a heart that is connected to his heart so that when he does speak, he can bless us as we are being a blessing into the lives of others. So when you understand that God is the owner and we are the stewards, you don't grieve when God tells you to give something. That little heart catch that says, no, I want, doesn't take place anymore. Because you already understand on the other side of that, oh man, I can't wait to see what God does. I can't wait to see how he not only blesses that individual, how it touches them, how it does a work in their lives, but then what he does because he's just a good father. But like generosity, when you steward well what God has entrusted to you, he will give you more to steward. And oftentimes, the, the more that you are working so hard for and that you are praying for is really locked up in your own hands and in your own heart because he is asking you to do something by faith so that he can bless you with the more. But in that, he is, he is trying to discover, are you a steward that is willing to steward what belongs to him or are you taking ownership of what's your, in your account? Because there's a different burden when you're the owner. There's a different heart behind what's in your possession when you are the owner. And when he provides the more, though, he also accompanies it with strategy. And strategy, sometimes, it'll come from the most unlikely places. It may come from someone who's nearby you. It may, he may give you a burden to just do some research and discovery and all of a sudden things that you didn't, you didn't have a desire for. But strategy, he begins to bring you. Sometimes God just may, may bring some supernatural strategy to you to help you support and create infrastructure for the blessings that he has going forward. Guess what it's going to take? It's going to take getting over fear and over logic and moving into the area of faith to trust that, God, if you're bringing me to it, you're going to take me through it. And if you're saying this, then I know you got something better on the side of my understanding. Because God is a God of taking us from glory to glory. And so oftentimes we as believers say, I'm good enough, status quo. I met my peer socioeconomic status level and I'm calling it good. As long as they accept me and I'm in this crowd, I'm good. And we're limiting not only our own lives, but what God can do in us and through us. We're more bound to what others think, like my Prius go-kart, what are people going to think? We're more bound to what other people think than we are bound to the heart of God and what he wants to do from his kingdom here on earth using and choosing us as vessels. So we've got to break that mindset 
And if you're willing, though, to decide, I'm going to get my finances in order so that decisions, my decisions will be on a firm foundation, I promise you that is a heart that God will bless. He will prepare you for the, for the multitude, for the abundance, for the blessings that he has to flow through you. If you, will, if you will make that decision, no, I'm getting my life in order. I'm getting my finances in order. But number two is this. The first belongs to God's account, not our account. My name may be on it, but it's his account. And how I handle his is going to tell him if I'm ready to handle more. The first belongs to his God's account. Exodus 13, 2, when the Lord spoke to Moses saying this, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, here's the ownership, it is mine. It is the Lord's. And by the way, this is the God that never changes. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today on this beautiful sunny day. And he's going to be the same tomorrow. And we know it all belongs to God. He says it. And if we're believers, we either believe him at his word or we don't. And everywhere we wrestle with that, we struggle in our, in our lives. It bears fruit of struggle. And everywhere we're not, in every way, we're not aligned with his word. So we believe that, God's, that it all belongs to God, but he especially wants the first to be brought in to him. Look at this in Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land. You know, notice he had, to, he had to kind of repeat it. The first of the first fruits. And I think the reason he, he repeated it because so many of his children are deaf. Not naturally deaf because you're chuckling, but spiritually deaf. I don't understand that concept. I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that that's right. I'm spiritually deaf to what God's word says. Therefore, I'm spiritually deaf to what his voice is leading me to do for my family. But bring the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord. Notice it says bring. I just highlighted it for you just so in case you might miss that. Notice it doesn't say give. If it were yours, you would give it. But because it's his, you are bringing what belongs to him into the house of the Lord. Even in the way he words the context of his, his, his scriptures, he's letting us know who, who the owner is. Bring me what belongs to me. This morning, my son was up watching tractors on his iPad at 1 a.m. I got up at 4.55 a.m. to be here by, before 6 a.m., I usually leave my phone in there, the rain machine, because usually they're sleeping. He's up and chipper and excited as can be. He brought me a blanket. He, and then I said, I said, Papa, will you bring me my phone? So he goes and he grabs it. He unplugs it. And he, what, he does what? He brings me my phone. He didn't give me my phone. It's not his. He brought it to me. We don't give anything to God. We bring back to God what already belongs to him. Genesis 4, 3, and 5. And in the, look at this. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit. In the process of time, when it was convenient for him, when he was, when he was done resting from all of his farming, 
he decided, I guess now's a good time. I'll finally bring in an offering of, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, in abstract, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Notice how Abel's decision was, I'm going to bring of the first. Cain was like, in the process of time, when it's convenient for me, I guess I'll do it. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. However, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. You know, we've got so many believers with a, a fallen countenance because of what's going on in their lives, and they're struggling, and the difficulties, and the financial ruin that they continue to cycle in. Yet, so often, they don't realize it reveals a lack of faith in this area and we have our name as owners of our possessions rather than honoring God as the owner of our possessions. Because when we do, we have no problem returning back to God what belongs to him. And remember though, and I know I've heard it a thousand times if I've heard it once, but we're not under the law and we are not under the law. But we are under grace. And so many people say, well, I, I don't tithe because I'm not under the law, but I'm under grace. Okay, let, let's take a look at that. But if you think that it means that you can take what belongs to God. Because if, if you think you can murder, because that's the law, right? I mean, if you think you can steal, if you think you can commit adultery and it ought not affect you greatly, you're deceived. And if you think you can hold back what belongs to God and it not greatly affect you, then you're greatly deceived. 4,000 BC, Cain and Abel were alive. Abraham, you know Abraham. I'm just giving you some people so you can know the timelines. Abraham was alive in 2,000 BC. Moses, who brought in the law, 1,500 BC. David, man after God's own heart, 1,000 BC, BC before Christ. Cain and Abel, again, were 4,000 BC. The law didn't come in until 1500 B.C. Come on, where's my mathematician? What's the year's difference? Where is it? 2,500 years before the law, there was already a principle in place that God had set in order for his kingdom that you should bring in the first to him. Let, let's look a little bit further. Let's go to the next one. Abraham, 2000 BC. What's the difference? 500 years. And the further you get away towards a lower number, the longer, the, the, the earlier it was. 500 years before the law came into place, God says, Abraham tithed, gave a tenth of everything that he had acquired. He gave it to Melchizedek in the order, who Melchizedek, as Scripture says in Hebrews, is a type of Christ. So theologians would say Abraham literally met Christ in the desert because he was the, he was the priest, he was a king and a priest. 
met up with him in the middle of the desert and says, here, he understood the concept, the principle, because of what had taken place with Cain and Abel, and he had a heart for God. And God already told him, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And so as Abraham has an increase, he brings a tenth of the increase to Melchizedek, and a tenth is what? A tithe. He didn't wait and say, hey, Melchizedek, Give me your name, your email address, and your PayPal account because when I get to where I'm going, whenever that is, I'm going to give you some of what I have left. No. Immediately when he sees him in the desert, he says, I'm giving you 10% of everything because it all belongs to God. This is a kingdom principle, a principle that God has made to govern and grow as his people apply it. Remember, God's word says, Isaiah says that the government is upon the shoulders, referring to Christ. The government is upon his shoulders. So as, as God's people apply his principles, it sets a governance in the area of their life, meaning structure, rule, authority, and order. But then God also causes whatever you are doing to grow, whatever he is asking you to do to grow, he causes the 90% to grow as you are properly stewarding that 10% and returning back to him what belongs to him. And he begins to govern your life, not to lord over you in the sense of domination, but he begins to guide you, create, set up structure and principle and direction and order. And all of a sudden, you're flourishing in the middle of a desert. All of a sudden, when the storms come, people look at you and say, wow, they're unshaken. They're immovable. They are going through this and thriving. Because God's governance and his blessing is upon your life because you're handling this area of life his way. And God can't not bless, him, bless his word. He just can't do it. If you're willing to trust him in it, then his favor is I'm going to bless you in it. If we'll just do our part, it's a promise that he's going to do his part. So Abraham came in and tithed 500 years before the law even come into place. Now, why would he do that? Because he knew it was a principle of God, and he knew who his God was. And God had already talked to him, told him, listen, I am going to bless you, not so you'll be blessed, so that you will be a blessing to others. And it's the same for you and I. He wants to bless us, not only, not so we'll be blessed, but so we will be blessed to be a blessing to others around us. God is choosing us. He desires to use us, not for manipulation and control and deception, but to be a blessing of his kingdom here on earth because Christ, his word says that we are ambassadors and that of his kingdom. So when you received, tell me this, when you received your stimulus checks this year and last year, Oh, I'm hitting it. Well, well, God didn't give me that, didn't he? Didn't he? God doesn't give me my paycheck, doesn't he? Whose breath are you breathing? 
Oh, it's yours? The income tax, oh, what? We get things and we say, oh, thank you so much, Lord. And we forget to bring his portion back to him. We're appreciative of the blessing, but we forget what belongs to the blesser. Now, I will say this. If, if, you, if you're paying your taxes and you're tithing already on your, your regular payment, whether it's every two weeks, week, or a month, then you've already tithed on your income tax return. Let me just be really clear on that, okay? But if the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want you to do this, then it's, it's great to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because so many people have conflict. They misunderstand that. And it's the gross, not the net. What you make is not after what you pay in taxes. Oh, the government's going to get theirs. But by faith, we trust and we'll return back to God what belongs to him. So you've already tithed off the income tax if you've been paying, if you've been tithing throughout the year. But it belongs, Abraham tithed because he realized this doesn't belong to my account, this belongs in God's account. And so therefore, he put it there. I want to give you, uh, last, yesterday, we had a beautiful wedding. It was an inside-out wedding right here. I mean, it was really pretty. And uh, my daughter was here the night before we were, we were going on a date night. It was rehearsal dinner, rehearsals, where you, you just kind of practice everything. You do a run-through, and you get all the awkward steps out of the way. You make it look really pretty for everybody else and all those things. Well, my daughter... Was knew we were going on a date. She had dressed up, got a blue dress and that little headband and just had some, you know, glow. She was just glowing. You know how women glow whenever that their first baby, they just have this glow that they carry? Like, my daughter was glowing because she was going on a date with her daddy. So we were up here. She came up here, and I, she was like, Daddy, when are we going on our date? And I said, uh, we're going to go really soon. And so everybody was like, oh. And I said, Nene, will you marry me? And she goes, no. And she runs off the platform. And so she, she hates it when I say, you're not going to marry me. You're not going to kiss me. But I've got her convinced, at least right now, for as long as she's four and almost five, that daddy's going to pick her husband. She said, daddy, daddy's going to choose my husband. When daddy chooses my husband, I'm going to get married. Y'all help me out with that. <laughs> but there's going to be a day where she realizes, wait a minute. He's not going to pick my, I'm going to pick my own husband. But in that, my hope is, my desire is that I'm putting enough relational equity and trust into her heart as I'm dating her throughout the years and showing her how a man should be and treat her. I'm hoping that when she does start to make those selections, I have enough relational equity in there that I at least have a voice to speak into her life to help her guide and make wise decisions. Why do, why do I want to do that? Because I will be checking to see how this young man is and who he's going to be, how he currently is holding it, carrying his life. And one of the first things I'm going to do, and it sounds crazy, but I'm going to check his, his tithing consistency. Because I'm going to go to the Bible, right? Because that's my foundation. Because I need to know who is this man. And is what he's doing, what he is doing, apply. Is it, does it look like the Word of God, the solid foundation? Because according to Joshua 7 and Malachi 3, that those who don't return back to God what is His, God calls them a thief. And why would I give my, my daughter's hand, who I love so much in marriage, 
to a man who's a thief. Joshua 7 says, you have stolen from me. This is God speaking, talking about returning the tithe. Malachi 3 says, you, are, you, you, have, you have robbed me of what is mine, talking about the tithe. But he also says, test me now in this and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven, talking about the tithe. Test me in this. If I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour so much favor and so much blessing upon you that you can't store it in your barns. He says, test me. See if I'm a good father. See if I'm good for my word. Test me. But he also says, those who don't are robbing me. So you better believe I'm going to be checking tithing records when it comes to who's dating my daughter and the consistency in that. Because I want her to date and be married to somebody who's honest, who's trustworthy, who's faithful, whose God's hand of blessing is, be- is upon because God's word says there's a curse on people who do not tithe. Woo. He says, once you start, he will rebuke the devourer who is causing you when, you're, when the fruit of what you do grows, it doesn't even hit the ground before it spoils. Dang. All that hard work for nothing, in other words. Now, number three is this. The tithe belongs to God. Tithe is tenth. It's what it means. But in God's concept, it's not just tenth. It's the first tenth. God desires to have the first tenth because it's an act of faith. So farmers would bring in the first of their lamb, the first of their livestock, the first cow that was born. They would bring that in as an act of faith, trusting that God, I'm bringing in the first because I'm trusting you that you are going to bless me with the multitude. That was what they would do to show God, to prove God that they know he's faithful. It doesn't take faith for them to bring in the tenth lamb. Oh, I got nine already. Okay, so we'll get the way to this 10th one. We'll just bring that one in. That is not an act of faith. So he desires, and he, he says, the first shall be set apart for me. And it's the same way God wants us to bring in the first 10th of all of our increase. Stimulus check too. It doesn't take much faith to bring in that last 10th of leftover. Oh, my bills are paid. I went to the movies three times. I got everything I wanted. I had some popcorn, and I have this little, oh, I just happen to have somewhat of a tenth left over. That doesn't take faith. And God's children, the reason he's, he's, he's encouraging us, he's enticing us, he's calling us out of brokenness and cycles, and like they were, the children were in in Egypt, bondage, and he's saying, listen, just trust me in the first and see what I can do with the rest. God can do more with the 90% than you can do with 100%. He will stretch it. He will change your mindset. He will begin to give you creativity, ideas. He will begin to navigate your your steps if our spirit, if our ears are attuned to him and our, our, our spirit is in line with him. He will begin to navigate us towards the blessings that we fight so hard to get after, to receive, to benefit from. But if you recall... Whenever, whenever the Hebrew children went into Jericho, they had gone around the wilderness, in the wilderness, around the mountain, around the mountain, and around the mountain. And then finally, at the end of one generation and, and another generation coming up, Joshua and Caleb led God's people across the Jordan into the promised land. 
and God says, you are going into Jericho, and I'm going to give you victory, but I want you to bring to me all of the spoils of the war. Bring into the treasuries of my house, bring it to me, for it is mine. And so they march across, they go into Jericho, and it's a popular battle, and, and you know, it's a, they, they destroy Jericho. They take all the spoils of war, and they bring it to the, to the treasuries of the Lord, just like he said, except for one family. And this family, this, this man, Achan, he goes and he, 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 go, he takes a little bit, he takes a Babylonian coat, he takes some silver, he takes some gold, and he, he buries it under his tent. He's like, mm, that's so pretty. I just want to keep a little bit of it for myself. They go into the next city, which is a very small city. They go into Ai, and Ai's small town just, just wipes out, just destroys God's people. And Joshua's like, what's up, God? You told me that if we do this and we return back to you what's yours, then you will give us, you will, get, you will help us to conquer every, every people group in front of us. What took place? What happened? And so through questioning and conversation with God, they, they, they begin to realize, wait a minute, there is somebody that has kept what belongs to God. And they, they find Achan and they, they ask him, hey, what's going on? He reveals to them, God handles that situation. God gets what belongs to him. And then they go into the next battle, they go back to Ai and they destroy Ai. But so many of us have these little bitty battles in our lives that are continually defeating us. And we, got the, we have the resurrected power of Jesus living inside of us. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit moving for us and upon us. We have blessings from the kingdom of God and yet we're fighting, we're struggling, and we're wrestling and losing little bitty battles. Why? Because most of us, many of us, are holding on to what belongs to God. But when you'll bring to God what belongs to Him, and you'll steward it with an open hand, oh, He'll go before you, and He'll fight those battles. You won't have to continually be stumbling over the same issue over and over and over and Leviticus 27.30 says, And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy. It is set apart. It is to be set apart. That's what holy means, to be set apart to the Lord. All the tithe of the land is the Lord's. And we get hung up on the 10%. And I don't really think, uh, I don't know why God chose 10%, but I really don't think it's a big deal. In fact, I think he chose 10% because it's easy. He didn't say this grandiose amount that we would have to really work hard to be able to obtain. He just said, you know what, I just want 10%, whatever you earn. So as you give, you return, you bring back to God the 10% of increase that he blesses you with, you're, you're bringing in the same 10% that a millionaire would bring in to the house of the Lord. The sum, the sum on the numbers with the dots and the zeros, all that stuff, it may be a little bit different, but you're bringing in the same amount. So he made it easy across the board for each and every one of us to be able to meet what seems to be such a difficult standard. But in reality, when you start to trust him in this principle, 
you'll begin to see him grow this 90%. You'll begin to see him giving you strategy and ideas and creativity that will begin to cause that 90% to abound. But we have to trust him and that little bitty 10% to return back to him what already belongs to him. And occasionally, I'll meet with a young person, a young man that wants to be discipled and mentored. And, you know, once I find out, okay, they, they have a heart for God. They, they, they know him as Lord and Savior. The first thing we talk about is not about spirit baptism, not about purity, not even about the Trinity. The first thing I talk with them about is the tithe. The reason I talk with them about the tithe first is because if they'll begin to trust God with something that seems so close to their heart. Because scripture says where your treasure is, so too is your heart. So if I can help them to understand this concept of putting their heart towards God in the kingdom, then they're already positioned to trust God in spirit baptism, in the fullness of what the Trinity, who the Trinity is, in purity. Purity is not an issue, but for as long as their treasure and their heart are still stuck on monetary things and what belongs to them, you'll never be able to convince them of what God can do in their lives because their heart's not with them. Oh, they believe in him. Satan believes. I want to pray for you because I know it's not easy. I remember being, and I didn't give this testimony early, but I remember being in Austin and I was just getting by, was not tithing, didn't understand this concept, had been taught it, but I didn't experientially understand the concept. I'm like, how can I tithe? I'm living paycheck to paycheck, month to month. And so finally, I realized there's got to be something, something that breaks, something that causes a difference. So I began to write that check the first of the month. I was making $3,000 a month, so I was paying three. I was, I was bringing to the Lord $300 a month. And then I began to realize, and I watched, somehow, supernaturally, God turned that 90% into sufficient funds to take care of everything that the 100% was taken care of. And then in that season, about a year later, God begins to pull at my heart for missions, for ministry. And somewhere in that season, God brought some hundred into my life. And we begin to talk about going to Honduras and doing some missions work. And there was a hunger inside of me to respond to the voice of God because I just wanted to be pleasing to the Lord. And I called my mother, I remember calling my mother and I said, listen, I'm really, I'm really considering just leaving Austin and, and, and I really have this burden to go to do some missions work in Honduras. And I remember her saying, I've never heard this before. And I remember her saying, well, you know your grandfather helped plant a church in Honduras when you were, a, you were just a baby. And she said, your babysitter, my friend Vicky, 
her and her husband were the ones that were planting the churches that your grandfather worked with. I said, I never knew that. It was one of those moments where you're saying, you're, you realize, wait a minute, God has been setting things in order for decades, hoping that one day I will position my heart towards his heart and what he has for my life, that I would prepare myself to receive and hear what he has in purpose for my life. It was such a profound moment that there was no way that this situation could be manipulated by any human being, that I had a desire. I met this Honduran guy. We became accountability partners. God burdened in my heart to go do missions there. I find out that my grandfather, who meant so much to me in life, had, had helped plant a church there. My, my, my babysitter was, was, was a church planter there. And when I told her about this, she says, Nathan, I used to pray this over your life when you were a baby. But I couldn't hear it until I began to trust him and bring back to him what already belonged to him. Because when he finds a people who will return back to him what belongs to him and steward our lives his way, he will realize that he can trust this people, this person. He can navigate their lives and they will do with what he has given them according to what his voice says. And when he finds a person that's willing to humble themselves to his voice and live according to what he says, oh, he can bless that. Because he can trust that as he's blessing them and he's continually communicating to them, they will be a blessing to the people around them. So he can take this people, this person, into a desert. And as long as they listen to him, he can turn a desert into a lush land, a lush garden, a place of fruitfulness so that people from all around can come and be blessed by it. Y'all hearing me? Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so good for your, your nature, your favor, your blessings, your presence, your influence, what you allow us to steward. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us today? want to speak at the tension that we have in our hearts when we hear messages like this because it's hard to see on the other side when we're struggling so much on this side and it's hard to understand how this concept over here can affect so much on this area of my life but that's exactly why it's called faith 
And that's exactly why God's people are called to be a people of faith. So Father, right now, I just pray for an empowering grace over every individual right now. Thank you so much for the many generous people who trust you in your principle here and they return back to you what belongs to you and, and how you give them grace and grace that abounds, Lord. We thank you for that. Thank you for all that you've done in my life. Thank you that how my wife and I have tested you with even more and tried you with even more. Lord, you've, you've brought the increase. Father, I pray the same thing for every person in this house this morning. I pray that for a revelation that this financial, financial burden that they may carry in life can be lifted. Relationship struggles can be brought down under the word of God. And the depression can be lifted. Father, right now I just pray for peace. Pray for, pray for an, an extra measure of faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alrighty, everybody, if you would, we're going to stand and worship one more time. And I really just want you to take a moment to just ask God what he's saying to you this morning. Then on the third hand break on dawn, the sun of heaven rose again. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King.
And thank you so much for joining us this morning. Prayer team's going to be up here if you need prayer for anything at all. And then also, if you're new here and would like to meet with us, we'd love to get with you over here in the Connect Room. Otherwise, you guys are dismissed. You guys have a blessed week.